This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, we're going to find out what kind of personality that Steve has. I think we're going to do the same for Howard because we've taken this extensive test and it has analyzed us thoroughly and now we can tell the world just who we are. And anybody can take this test. We'll tell you how on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, Steve. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Back to You, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. And Lou, we popped the champagne. You're wearing that nice uh, tuxedo T-shirt. And I've got my uh, top hat and tails on. It's the 52nd episode of the Car Guys Report. That means we've been doing that, doing this for one full year. Can you believe it? No, it's fun. Yeah, it's amazing. Time has certainly flown past uh, here on the Car Guys Report. I'd like to big, uh, make a big thank you to our loyal listeners. Uh, we couldn't be doing this, uh, obviously, without your support, so we wanted to make sure, first and foremost, that we're thanking our listeners. We'd also like to thank our uh, Radio Misfits uh, podcast network home, Tony Lasano our producer Ed Silha, our executive producer, and the whole crew at Radio Misfits that uh, helped make this uh, podcast possible. Also would like to uh, extend a big thank you to our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, who has been uh, on the program a couple of times, and he'll be being uh, making an appearance again sometime soon, and he's always uh, keeping his uh, ears and eyes to the ground and looking around on everything and looking under people's cars to make sure they're not tripping anything, and he's always texting us with certain things and interesting things so big uh, thanks to Roger Rexfrode and also to our guests that we've had on the podcast for the uh, past year we uh, talked with Matt Avery Bill Kubik Scott Crane and we've got more uh special guests uh, coming too I'm sure in the f- next uh, year so we'll have a lot of things to uh, talk about and you know, Lou, uh, one thing I was thinking that, you know, we've been doing this for a year and you and I are still friends. We haven't uh, had any kind of weird falling out or, you know, some kind of thing where you come in and you've got a scowl on your face and you're like, just get this done. And you, you walk away and it's not any Hollywood stuff. We're just two car guys that we're come not together. Dating, we're and, not dating the same girl no, or anything. No, yeah. No, yeah. no weird love triangles. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that keeps us no, no weird cars that I purchased that you purchased at the same time. Exactly. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Or uh, I beat you to the 26th thousand dollar mercedes and before you had a chance to uh right, put, right. You put your so money down we're, we're on not it. competitive in that way we're 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 behind each other exactly you know? we're encouraging each other yeah that that's what makes it fun you know in the last year i've uh, sold my bentley i bought my 1992 corvette i uh traded my 2012 fiat for a 2019 fiat and uh i better known as the plot hopefully not after a while we'll we'll get back to that uh, in the next uh couple episodes uh the story will continue it keeps leaking fluid (laughs) coolant coolant 
But uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I always try to try to figure out what car I'll be, you know, getting rid of next. And I think that probably the Corvette will probably be the, the car that I'm not going to hang on to that long. It'll be about a year since I've had it. And I'll probably get it through this car show season and then maybe decide to uh, get rid of it. And I've still got my eyes on the Maserati uh, Gran Turismos. Uh, great cars. They've really come down in price, which is something that I'm always uh, interested in as far as getting, you know, uh, cars that depreciate a lot. Uh, definitely, I, I've, I've driven one of those. You have, yeah. yeah. And, it's, they're, they're, yeah. and the, the sound, the, the V8 in that thing is just... Well, it's uh, the Ferrari V8. It is, I know. Yeah, so. I know, and that's why. It sounds awesome. So that's definitely uh, on my list uh, probably in the next year or so, I'm thinking. And then, of course, uh, this year for 2020, the uh, Firebird should be coming back uh, fairly soon from the body shop and then I've got the uh, work uh, lined up and planned out for the suspension kit and the rest of the mechanical work that needs to be done which isn't all that much it's just basically a good solid tune up a lot of fluid replacement get the air conditioning working so hopefully I'm thinking by midsummer that will probably be back on the road for the latter half of the car show season I'm definitely looking forward to uh, getting the Arctic Blue 1975 Firebird Formula 400 back on the road so, so, so how many cars great. do you have i have nine cars so of the nine cars how do you determine rotation well i have three daily drivers my porsche cayenne my mercedes e550 coupe and my fiat uh 500 and the fiat is probably the car i just use for running around town go get my coffee at dunkin donuts uh that uh, divided up to uh divided between that and the cayenne like if i go to menards to get a bunch of stuff i need some carrying capacity i'll take the cayenne the mercedes comes out when the weather is nice i don't drive it in clement weather um, but then the rotations for the other cars i just try to match the car show or cruise night or cars and coffee that i'm going to maybe with the car or if i'm going to uh, like supercar saturdays which happens five to five times a year i'll just rotate through i'll go like i'll bring the aston once and then i'll bring the saab and then i'll bring the porsche 911 and things like that so it's just i try to i actually keep a log of when I drive each car and when I put gas in it so I know how fresh the gas is and how many approximate mileage that I've driven it whatever, whenever I drive it. So if I drive it on like June 3rd for 50 miles, I'll, I'll write down 6, 3, 20, 50, you know, and then if I put fresh gas and I'll put fresh, you know, I would write down fresh gas, eight gallons or whatever. Uh, and that way I kind of know that I'm kind of rotating them through on an even basis. And I, I do pretty good. Um, uh, at the end of each year, then I total up the mileage on uh, that I put on on each car. And I'm averaging anywhere between a thousand and maybe 1500 miles on each one for the for the entire oil show change season. every year once a year oil changes yeah. yeah yeah and that's basically all they need you know i keep on the battery tenders and they're always ready to go at the car guys report warehouse that's the nice thing about the way i like to have a car collection is everything is always gassed up and the battery is charged and as long as i got the key i can i can drop decide whatever i want to drive i'm ready to go so how about you how do you work your rotations because i know you said you had your jaguar in arizona for a while yeah it's back in illinois um not necessarily where it should be it's kind of like taking the uh, jaguar out of the zoo and putting him in a box in your house um <laughs> 
So, so uh, uh, I haven't taken either one of them out yet. Yeah. Uh, what will happen is uh, I'll take a quick run out to uh, Arizona and um, video a few cars uh, for the YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. And then uh, probably after I come back, uh, bring them to get them oiled up. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, then they'll, they'll see They'll see some road. And weren't you just saying uh, a couple episodes ago that you only put something like 600 miles on the Viper last year? Yeah, that was a disaster year. <laughs> that was uh, uh, two things were happening. One, my travel increased, and then t- which um, was good uh, for the for the viewers of the channel. But then the bad part was uh, weather last year. Yeah, was, was yeah. A the, the, our spring here in in Illinois uh, a year ago was just absolutely terrible. We didn't actually get the car show season in full swing until like mid May, I think it was or even end of may it was just terrible and because i was traveling to some different locations i didn't get the car out until august yeah wow so it went from november to august sitting there with a blanket yeah so that was pretty That's a shame. I had it out six times the whole year. So that was uh, that was a disaster. And you are going to keep us informed too that you were saying that your son is getting his driver's license. And you wanted to teach him stick yeah, on the Viper. We, we we never we we I can't say never, but we rarely see Joey on video. Uh, my our, my editor, uh, I have an expert. He's fifteen, and. Um, yeah, he'll. Uh, my goal is to get him behind the uh, manual, and why not do it in a Viper? I why mean, not? That should be good video footage. So <laughs> stay tuned. That's and, and it's cool that he's got a dad that's got a really awesome car like that too. That yeah, he's, well, he's letting him do it. <laughs> yeah, well, believe me, you'll you'll see the video. I'm sure I'll be. Uh, hopefully kind. Yes, that, that'll definitely be. The first, first gear grind might turn me into an animal. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> we'll see how it works. Yeah. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report and Formed Automotive. We're available at the uh, radiomisfits.com website. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter and also email us anytime. Wish us a happy one-year anniversary. That's what we're doing here, episode number 52 of the Car Guys Report. Email again is Report at hotmail.com couldn't be easier you know i uh real quick lou are there any cars that you're thinking you might um be uh on the lookout for in the next year or so or you're pretty stable as far as your your collection goes you don't seem to buy and sell a lot uh, yeah i'm 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 stand uh stand pat but we do have that 15 year old so that'll be interesting to see what uh lands in the driveway with him so you yeah. are you plan on getting him a car then or yeah I'll, I'll pick him up something i don't know um we'll have to we'll have to determine you know does it go super conservative or uh um, I've got a wife, right? So, I mean, uh, she's probably not going to let me get him, you know, a, a Shelby Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for him, Donna. Yeah, it's, it's for him. It's research. It's not for me. <laughs> it's research for the yeah. channel. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so much fun. I wanted to take a a quick look back at some of the stuff that we did uh, during our first year here on the Car Guys Report. I didn't want to go in-depth on anything. A couple of my favorite stories that we did uh, more recently on episode 45, we did that story on the Stone Martin Weasels. And no, that's not a rock band from Britain. It's uh, these weasels that uh, populate Germany and the way that they basically wreak havoc on cars in Germany and the... uh, 
devices that uh, car manufacturers and private individuals have come up with to keep the stone Martin weasels out of their cars and out of their engine compartments. It's a fascinating story. There's a lot of information on it online, too. You can just Google stone Martin weasels, and you'll see what these little critters look like and see what uh, kind of uh, havoc they're wreaking, uh, not only in Germany, mainly in, in Europe, but they, they also do exist here in the U.S., too, but not as uh, prevalent as um, over in Germany. Another uh, one of my favorite uh, stories, Lou, was a story that we did, <clears throat> excuse me, on episode two, so way, way back where, you know, sometimes I don't know if I can go back and listen to those early episodes because we progressed so far, but it was the uh, Dutch artist by the name of Ruben Ooms, and that is O-O-M-S is his last name. And what this guy did is he's developed, he's a, he's a very, very talented artist, and he has taken his version of a modern car and basically turned the clock back 30, 20, 30, 40 years ago and created drawings of what a modern car would have looked like 40 years ago. So kind of retro in reverse is what I was calling it. He has a drawing of a Prius that looks exactly like something you'd see in 1978 in, in, a, in a perfect tan Toyota tan color with a green racing stripe on the side and a louver over the rear window and one of my favorites is he took a Porsche Cayenne dialed it back to the early 70s and made it into an air-cooled Cayenne and the thing is jacked up it's got the air-cooled vents in the back and it's got a classic 911 front it's just unbelievably cool stuff and you can check it out online his website is Ruben Ooms that's O-O-M-S well, you gotta spell Ruben, com. Ruben is yeah I like the like the sandwich, I guess. I don't know. R-U-B-E-N-O-O-M-S dot com. And I just thought that was just a very uh, neat story because I've always had, uh, I've got a background in advertising and marketing and public relations, and I've worked a lot with uh, artists. I have basically zero artistic talent on my own. And um, I just have always marveled at uh, the ability of people to create uh, things drawing wise artistic uh, talent so I just wanted to really make a shout out to that again because it's just a very very cool stuff are there any stories Lou that, that stick out in your mind I don't want to put you on the spot here but I know that we've talked about so much over the past uh, 12 months that it's kind of hard to, to to pick out some of your favorites but I like I like when we do the lists. Yeah, I like, I like when we. So do our them. listeners too. I've gotten some really good feedback on on um, on the list that we do. Yeah, so the lists are always fun. Whether it's most expensive car, least expensive car, uh, most beautifully designed car, you know, whatever the lists are that that we can get, you know, the top five electric vehicles or those, those are always those are always my favorite because then I get to guess what what they are and I usually fall. And flat, you always add some flat. interesting editorial comments too, and you sometimes you take notes and you'll be like, okay, Professor Lou's going to talk now <laughs> and he starts talking about certain things. But definitely have a lot more lists on the way. Uh, get a lot of these online they just there's so much information online lately that uh you just never know when when this stuff is going to come or where it's going to come from and it's just always is a good jumping off point too for a lot of things because sometimes we're scratching our heads going like why did they leave that off or why did they put that on or this should have been in there or something like that so and some very cool stuff there's one that's going to be coming up in an, in an upcoming episode i don't know how quickly yet but um something about the 10 coolest cars that have hideaway headlights and i know 
that's something that you would love oh, because yeah, yeah, there's some very cool cars on that list. Another thing that we like to do here on the uh, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is. We always like to talk about cars that are either for sale or sold recently at either an online auction or some other venue. And we use Hemmings.com uh, for a good starting point on a lot of unique cars that are for sale. We also like bringatrailer.com. If you're not familiar with that website, they have uh, probably about over 200 active auctions going on at any time, and they have a lot of really, really cool stuff. They have a lot of European imports. They have a lot of JDM, Japan domestic market cars that show up there. Sometimes they have uh, muscle cars. They have weird trucks that that show up there just a great place and a good place to get an idea of what your value of a car might be too so if you're shopping around for something you want to get an idea of what like you know a 1972 porsche 914 might be selling for go over to hemmings or go over to bring a trailer and look at the sold listings and see what those cars sold for because the marketplace actually is fairly accurate sometimes on a bring a trailer not everything has a has a um a no reserve so if a car has a reserve and it doesn't sell the results will say bid up to x amount but you know it didn't sell so in a way you're saying okay the market spoke and they only think that you know this car whatever it would be is only worth you know 15 grand and obviously the seller was hoping to get more but it didn't meet the reserve so that's just one way that you can kind of work um these sites and just kind of get a lot of very useful information as a car a car enthusiast and a car collector another uh source of cars for sale that i like to uh look at is a um aston martin dealer in england called nicholas me and company that's m-e-e and they have a lot of really unique cars that come across their um i don't want to say used cars because they are used cars but we're talking about aston martins ferraris and you know some very high-end things and in lieu i wanted to say that you know we've we've highlighted so many cars uh throughout the year on the for sale just sold segment but one of the cooler ones and since i've got a, a background in rock radio i was a classic rock uh, dj for many many years i thought that the uh, from episode 38 uh the 2001 ferrari 550 barquetta that we highlighted from nicholas me this is a uh v12 uh, open top ferrari it was a nart blue which is a beautiful blue color Thirteen thousand eight hundred miles on the odometer they wanted 285,000 pounds british pounds which uh, translates to about 366,000 u.s dollars but the uh, cool thing about this car i mean the car itself is obviously just totally awesome they only made uh, 448 total barcettas 42 are constructed with right hand drive but the first owner was eric clapton and then eric sold the car to a guy named pete townsend and i just think that is just i mean if you're a rock and roll enthusiast if you're a guitar enthusiast you know a car enthusiast it covers so many lines it's like, i mean could you see being at at a car show and you have this car parked and obviously people would be you know crowding around it like anything but then you say like oh yeah by the way eric clapton and pete townsend also own this car i mean it's just the stories it could tell you know it's just amazing and this isn't the first time that uh nicholas me has had a rock a car with rock and roll provenance about a year and a half or two years ago they had a aston martin uh it was a uh, db5 i believe 
that was once owned by Robert Plant. And they actually had a picture from back in the day, like in the early 70s, Robert Plant, and he's wearing like a Led Zeppelin T-shirt. It's a black and white picture. And he's standing in front of the car. And it's like so cool. This yeah. is so period. And I was always thought like, and I used to talk about this when I was on the radio. I'm like, wouldn't that be cool to like buy that car and you find a crumpled piece of newspaper or a, a napkin or something underneath the, the passenger seat? And it's got the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven on it or handwritten or, you know, like did Mick Jagger ride in this car with Robert Plant and just the stories the car could tell. It's just, it just blows your mind. I just yeah. think that is, I don't usually get into Provenance that much, but sometimes that kind of celebrity as far as car, you know, I don't care if like it really like an actor owns a car that much. I think it's like when it's more of something I'm interested in, like, you know, a rock star, I think that is very cool. So, and I know that you like a lot of the Provenance where um, race car drivers, you were just telling me a story about your, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about that story you just told me about uh, riding in Sterling Moss's Jaguar D-Type? I yeah, mean, that's so, pretty amazing. Yeah, so I'm down in uh, Arizona and uh, videoing some cars, and you, over time, build trust with people who you video their cars. They're like, hey, that's pretty cool video. You know, stop on by the, by the garage. So uh, the very short story is I stopped by a gentleman's garage who was a Jaguar collector um, as well as an uh, expert mechanic on them. Uh, expert with a capital E, a real expert. And um, he's become the expert in C-types, D-types, and lightweight E-types, which are all super rare. And we're talking about the cars that Jaguar raced, like in the 50s, early yeah, 60s. Yeah, they made 100 C-types, and I don't know how many D-types, but not many. And um, So the short story is I stopped by his garage after he invited me over and he says i think i've got a car that you know we might like to take a ride in and uh it turns out that we're taking a ride in museum piece as i like to call it jaguar d-type uh, number 12 which was Sir sterling moss's actual race car that he drove 177 miles an hour down a straightaway breaking the record at that time and we're just driving around in arizona <laughs> in the mountains so um the smile was perpetually put on my face during the entire ride which he did take a photograph of me smiling like that and uh uh, it's, I guess you could say, in one of my episodes. Yeah. In one of the episodes, if you go to My Car Story with Lou, uh, just type in Jaguar D-Type. There will only be the one car that will be coming up. <laughs> I don't have a slew of Jaguar D-Types on the channel, but you'll get the chance to see that video. And, and Sterling Moss, I know I, I'm not a big uh, race aficionado, but I know that he was one of the most famous um, European race car drivers. And his heyday was, was it in the 50s and 60s? Yeah. And uh, I think think for guys like that there's there's never a non-heyday yeah meaning, you know it's like aj Foyt or something like sure. that I yeah mean, it's i just, mean if you even know, if you're a casual car guy you recognize the yeah, name or, sterling moss yeah or you know jim clark yeah or mario and yeah. or something like that i mean there's never a non-heyday for uh people of, of that uh that legendary status sure. and and the bottom line is i mean these people had to be crazy because they were literally testing the limits oh and when you're looking at the technology back then i mean no abs no computer anything yeah this was the just, tire technology the tires and the brakes are two of the scariest things because yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you look at, you know, what tire tire technology was yeah. back then, it's just how could they do what they did? The only thing I could compare it to would, would probably be like driving on a Schwinn bicycle going downhill at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, that would be the on kind balloon of the tires. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of the same feeling that you'd have on this. So, uh, And these guys drove comfortably yeah. like that. So. How loud was that car when you were in it? Uh, it is a side-piped car, so it's loud, but it's just one side side-piped. Okay. So it was... Uh, 
it was uh, delightful, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah, it was, you know, as loud as it was going to be, it, would, it didn't really matter. You were going to be comfortable. In the it. other thing that's really wild, too, is when you think about guys like in the 24 Hours of Le Mans or whatever, um, or 24 Hours of Daytona or any of the 24 Grand Prix 24 Hours uh, races, back then, too, in the 50s and 60s, when they're in these cars for that long, they're cramped in there, and they're doing it at night, they're doing it in the rain, and again, the technology of the you know the tires and the brakes and the lighting just weren't up to what they're up to now. It's like, and people don't think that these people are athletes, but they are because the endurance and the stamina, the physical, mental, and mental concentration that you need to do something like that is really phenomenal. Yeah, for it really eight, is. Yeah, for eight straight hours, it's not like it's, okay, I'm driving a hundred miles and I'm getting out. It's yeah, you're driving a hundred and fifty miles an hour or hundred and twenty miles an hour yeah. for eight hours, and, and you're making yeah, sure you're, you're not lo- going to crash. And you're locked in because yeah. everybody's telling you, "Come on, let's go! Look, come yeah. on, let's go!" So yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, then be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Shows like Back to You. It's an Opie show. Legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and the long list of things that bug them. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. The show is back to you. You can go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. And when you search for Radio Misfits, hey, you're going to find the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. That's what we're doing. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. It's our 52nd one-year anniversary show. Lou and I are just kind of uh, having a uh, bull session uh, for this episode, looking back on some of the things that we've covered over the last year. And I just wanted to turn the tables a little bit, Lou. You know, my car story with Lou is what your YouTube channel is called. And two of my favorite car stories, I wanted to just talk briefly about two of them then we'll talk about one of your favorite car stories um have you ever had a car delivered uh, but with a transport company yes you have yeah um it's always one of the most exciting things i think because when you buy a car i've had i think four or five cars delivered i'm buying them online um they're getting shipped from you know some place that's 500 a thousand fifteen hundred miles away you contract with the uh, transport company and then you're, you're waiting for the call you know a week or two later when they're getting close and then they say like we'll be by tomorrow at 10 a.m or whatever and then the you know there's the the, the enormity of these trucks are huge they're always um Full size, you know, uh, sleeper cabs with a with literally the the size of a um, moving van and back that's filled with cars. And then when they lower the um, lift, that adds like another, you know, thirty feet to the thing. And this whole thing is like a hundred feet long, so you need that much room in in your drive and not your driveway, but your street to unload. It's always like a big thing that you know attracts a lot of attention. You see the you see the truck cruising down the street, and you're like, hey, my car's here finally. And I always get a, a just a big charge out of that. I've used Inner City um, as my transport company. I've had a very good um, time and very good luck with them. And one of the first cars, actually, I'm trying to think, of, this may have been the first car that I got, I ever had delivered. It was a few years ago when I bought my Jaguar, a 1994 Jaguar XJ12 sedan. I wanted that car because I'm not a sedan guy, and I thought I wanted one luxury sedan in my uh, collection, and I wanted something unique. And the XJ12 was obviously the, the car that 
one of the cars that I wanted because it was affordable and it was a V12. So it was a very low production car. And this car was delivered from Colorado to my house in the Chicago area. And one of the things that I like looking forward to is I always chat with the uh, with the uh, driver and then I always want to take a look inside the uh, in the van to see what else they have in there because usually there's you know they're doing a whole they're doing a whole truckload and they have it set up so they're dropping your car off before they go out to the east coast and and everything they have it all figured out but when my Jaguar was coming off the the uh, uh, truck and onto the ground and I said so what else you got in there and I saw uh, like a GT a, a 911 GT RS GT3 RS in orange then I saw a, a maroon like a 1954 Cadillac convertible up on top and I couldn't see them totally because they were kind of covered a l- little bit by the doors and the driver says those are Ralph Lorenz cars Wow. And I'm like, that is very cool because he's got a ranch in Colorado. So after they picked up, I think they picked up his cars first and then they picked up my Jaguar because it was in Colorado, too. So it's just the craziest thing. I said, have you ever met Ralph Lauren? And they go, no, we just like deal with his handlers or whatever because he's not really there. But he's a huge, huge car collector. And I just thought it was so cool that my lowly little $5,000 Jaguar rode with a couple of Ralph Lauren's <laughs> cars. I just think that is such a such a cool story and and you know that's something that and again it's a story you should always make sure that you talk to people about something that you're interested in like i was looking at those cars i'm like these are really cool and the guy goes these are ralph lorenz cars i'm like wow that is really really cool so my other story is the uh story of my 1980 saab 96 and I called it the 1980 Saab 96 Jubileum Odyssey. Uh, the Jubileum, uh, let's back up a little bit. I've always had a thing about Saabs, obviously, if you're a regular listener to the show. And uh, the 96 was a model that Saab made from 1960 through 1980. And it's always been my favorite uh, model Saab just because I love the look of it. I love the quirkiness of it. There's just so much that's wild about it. And it's actually the first car that, that you, Lou, videotaped uh, of my collection and put on your channel about three years ago. And I wanted to try to get a later model uh, 96 because they stopped importing that car in the States here in 1973, but they made the car through 1980. And in 1980, to commemorate the final um, year of production, the very... the last 300 cars were called Jubileums, and that means anniversary in Swedish. And they weren't tagged as they weren't marked or anything as a jubileum or anything there was no like a numbered serial number or anything on the dash plaque but on the dashboard or anything but all the cars were painted a light blue metallic they had a 10 spoke alloy wheel uh alloy wheels on them and they had a light uh blue velour interior and that was basically what made the jubileum the jubileum and i'm like okay they only made 300 and that's 40 years ago this would be like finding a needle in a haystack uh, actually, this was back in 2015, actually, so it's, it was only 35 years at the time. And one night I was just noodling around on the Internet, and I kind of stumbled across what I call a Swedish Craigslist. It was like this listing of people just having cars for sale, and it was all in Swedish, so I had to use, like, Google Translate or something to figure out what they were saying. But there was a picture of a Jubileum, and I'm like, holy crap, 
there's a Jubilee for sale. I couldn't believe it. So I emailed the guy, and it's like, if you're if you're the guy selling the car and you're getting this email from this guy in the U.S. going, hey, I want to buy your car, you know, how serious are you going to take it? Luckily, um, he got back to me. It took a couple of weeks, and he said, well, the car that was in the ad, I sold that one, but I have another one, and it's perhaps the finest in Sweden. And I'm like, how many people have two Saab Jubileums, mm. and they're both for sale, or, or this one wow. would be for sale? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, this is just unbelievable. So at this point, I'm like, okay, this, this could get serious. So I wanted to um, get a Swedish agent to work with me over in Sweden. I didn't want to fly over to Sweden and look at a car and then try to figure out how to pay for it and everything so i watched the show fast and loud which is on discovery channel richard rawlings is a guy that lives in uh, dallas he's got a um, a very successful uh garage called gas monkey garage they do all kinds of resto mods and customs and things like that and in the early years of the show he had his friend uh, magnus einarsson come in from sweden and magnus would buy classics from richard like you know cadillacs and buicks and stuff and ship them back to sweden and sell them in sweden because europeans are just crazy for our big old american iron and magnus has a uh, a, a shop in sweden called lone star cars so i'm like you know i'm gonna email magnus and see if he can be my agent so i emailed magnus and he said sure i'm on board so when I found this Jubileum, I gave him the information. He is located in the southern part of Sweden, near, near Gothenburg, and the car was up in the northern part of Sweden. So he had a friend of his that lives closer by to where the car actually was go out and actually make sure the car was real and that it checked out as far as VIN numbers and condition and everything like that. Magnus got back to me and said, yeah, everything checks out. Here's some pictures. So um, he negotiated the price. You know, the price was what the price was. And I said, I'll, whatever the guy's asking, I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll pay his price. But he, he did the deal. I, I, I wired Magnus the money. Magnus did the deal with the guy, had the car shipped down to where his shop is in Goten, near Gothenburg. Uh, he went through the car because it had been off the road for a number of years, as far as I could tell. So he basically did a tune-up on it. He put brake rotors and brake pads and, you know, got it running reasonably well and, and everything. And then um, I worked with uh, the shipping company that I had. He delivered it to the port. They put it in a container. So Magnus was awesome. And, I, you know, when I first emailed him, I said, you know, whatever you're going to charge me, you know, charge me because I want you to make money on this, too, you know, for your time and everything. And he was great. He gave me a complete invoice and he just worked out fantastic. And I've kept in touch with him here and there over the years. He actually has a, um, a house in, in Texas because he comes here so often to ship cars over there. So the um, shipping odyssey was it took three months and I did, uh, there's two kinds of shipping you can do when you ship a car from Europe. You can do either uh, roll-on, roll-off, or, or cargo container shipping. And roll-on, roll-off is where they just literally pull your car onto the, the, the boat, the ship, and it goes into the cargo hold. And then if you're going to change ships, they pull the car out. And just a lot of people driving your car, and you don't know how well secured it is, and it's out in the open, in the hold. But I don't think it'd actually be on deck. But I wanted a cargo uh, container. So I got a single, I think it was a 20-foot container, 
And one thing people are saying is, you know, I hope they block the car incorrectly because I've heard stories where people buy a car from Europe and the door is open and it's banging against the, the cargo container for the whole trip on the ocean and things like that. And luckily, you know, the car arrived in perfect condition. But it was interesting because it was actually on three different ships. It departed Sweden. And I'm trying to remember the the timeline. It went up to... Um, I think it went to um, either went to Belgium or Germany first, and then it went to to either Germany or Belgium, and it, sh- and it traded ships at each one of those ports, and it got hung up. They missed a security clearance, so the car the container sat on the dock for like two weeks, and then it got put on another ship, and then it went from I think it went from Antwerp. I think that was the final part in in, in Europe to Montreal. And I had it shipped into Montreal because the importer that I was using um, was based in New York. And I had never done this before. And he just said, have the car shipped through Canada because apparently it's easier for for him or them or, or me or whatever. So I was just following, you know, his lead. And uh, the car, it got delivered into um, Montreal. And then it got trucked from Montreal to Toronto and then from Toronto to, to the Chicago area. And the whole shipping thing took like three months. It was a long time. So you have to be patient with this. I'm sure other people have, have other stories where, oh, I got my car in a week. Well, great. Um, you know, Gothenburg is, is a big port, but it's not as popular as shipping a car from a German port or maybe like a you know port in France or England or something like that. But overall, it was just a really neat educational experience because I had always wanted to import a car to the U.S and it's a lot easier than it was uh, a number of years ago. As long as the car is 25 years old, it doesn't have to meet any EPA or emissions requirements or anything like that. And it was just a great learning experience. And the things that I, I, I talk to most people about is the fact that you have to just be patient and you just kind of have to be prepared to spend some money because I didn't really shop around for a shipper. I just kind of found someone that said, uh, was recommended actually by my um, importer, and I probably could have gotten it a little bit cheaper. But I'm not UPS, I'm not FedEx. I'm one guy shipping one car from Sweden, so I'm not going to be able to really negotiate a super low price or anything like that. Everything worked out, um, and I just remember five years ago when the car got delivered off the, uh, you know, the the truck, and it was just so cool. It's like, man, it's finally happening. It was the whole thing from the time I found the car to the time it was delivered. I think it was eight months. It was like August through, or 10 months. It was like August through June. And it was just a great experience. I don't know if I I want to do it again, necessarily. Uh, it was funny because about six or eight months after I took delivery of the, of the Saab, the owner uh, the previous owner, the guy in, in Sweden, actually, he ended up being like the the ex town police chief too, which was interesting. He actually called me on the phone. He goes, "I just wanted to make sure your car is good and you like it." He had another '96 that was a very rare sport model that I didn't even know about. I did some research on it. And it was almost like a factory rally car. They only made like 150 of them. It was a, a V4 Super Sport or something like that. And he sent me pictures, and this car was just over the top. I mean, it was just it was like my car, but it was bright orange fully restored it looked amazing and i'm like i'd love to but i just can't you know but but if i had that car that orange car i mean my car attracts enough attention being you know the light metallic blue and the quirkiness of it but this bright orange thing would have just been 
unbelievable. So did it have slicks on it or no? It didn't have any slicks, but it was a very cool car. I still have pictures of it at home, but it was a great experience. And I just think that you know, I just wanted to share that with everybody because sometimes people ask, you know, how do you do this or what do you have to do? And and it's funny. One other caveat too, and the <laughs> this is kind of like the icing on the cake. When I went into the Secretary of State's office here in Illinois, we don't have what people call a DMV. We have a Secretary of State's office, and that is our DMV, but people here in Illinois call it the Secretary of State's office. So I went in there to do my title and license and pay my tax and all that stuff. And I remember I, I, I had my import certificate, and I had the stamp, and I had all, as far as I knew, I had everything. And I get up to the counter, and they didn't seem like they were very used to dealing with gray market cars, because that's what they consider this to be. And it's buried somewhere on the website, and I, and I looked for it, and I couldn't find it until after she told me, and, and then I had, I had to find it. But Illinois requires you to have an English translation of the title, because the title was in Swedish. And I just thought it was so ridiculous because here in the great state of Illinois, we administer driver's license exams in probably 15 foreign languages. So the state can translate from English to 15 different foreign languages, but they can't translate my Swedish title into English. I have to do it for them. (laughs) So I spent like another $300 getting... (laughs) I call like the Swedish consulate in Chicago and they turned me on to somebody and it worked out, but it's just like, it was, it added like another two weeks because I had to get it. And then I'd go back to the stupid secretary of state's office. And it's just like, come on. <laughs> so the car that never came. Oh man. So it all, but you know, I have a, I have a title, an Illinois title. Everything's fine. So that's what counts. And it was uh, it was a good experience. So I just wanted to uh, share that. And, and a big thanks to Magnus, too, because he really made it made it uh, easy. And I just think it's cool that that's my little reality TV fast and loud connection. And one of these days we're going to get Richard Rawlings on this program. We'll see. Richard, email us and let me know your availability. CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the fascinating story of of Lose Viper. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, uh, we give you the update on what's happening with the reopening of the Premier League, which is still a few weeks away. But there's some real games happening this weekend, right, Adam? Yeah, we've got the Bundesliga starting, some good American players playing in the top division of German soccer. So be sure to check out that uh, on this week's episode of Free Kicks, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. If you missed Losano Lo- Lo- or La- Los Losano and friends, here's what you missed. Hi, Fred Winston here, Chicago radio guy. <laughs> now, Fred, Tony, you were the first voice on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yeah, that was my big uh, cinematic moment. It is a beautiful day in Chicago today. Temperatures expected to reach the upper 70s. Right now, 75 at the lakefront, 74 at Midway, 73 at O'Hare, and now, up in the sky, Don Nelson. Yeah, pretty goddamn riveting, wasn't it? I got got John Hughes in the studio, and we're in a commercial break. He says, uh, could you imagine your voice? coming out of the theater speakers in the theater? I said, uh, yeah, what does it pay? <laughs> Mercenary. So I go in the studio and I'm recording stuff and I'm uh, doing uh, boffo DJ crap 
and uh, clever ad libs, and uh, you know, well, blah 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 blah, blah and they didn't want that. They wanted the uh, right. the straight crap. Right. <laughs> so he invited me to go with him to the premiere. Uh huh. And I said, well, I can't do that yeah. because I get up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to give up my sleep. I don't give right. a crap if it is a movie. <laughs> so he fixed my ass. I got paid, but I got no movie credit. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, no credit? No, no uh, credit in the movie. Everyone got a credit except <laughs> me. Unbelievable. Wow. And you're the first voice. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you get checks in the mail still for like 16 cents for that? Or no, no. Really? It was a one-time flat fee of $337.65. Oh, man. That, yeah, I'm swimming that, in it. Yeah. <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever it's called. That's nice. I bet that's pretty goddamn compelling, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, the 52nd episode, one-year anniversary show. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, we're knee-deep in the bull here for the anniversary edition. Just uh, finished rambling on about my 1980 Saab 96 odyssey of getting the car purchased and shipped back from Sweden. And I always wanted to talk a little bit on the program, Lou, about the story behind your Viper, because you've told me kind of the Reader's Digest version of how you acquired this car, and I always thought it was a pretty pretty fascinating story, so I wanted to have you share that with our uh, listeners. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take it cradle to grave. So the first time I seen a Viper was 1992, and uh, just mentally putting the picture in your head we were just coming off the chrysler k car which Ugh. is a box with four wheels yeah. on it and <laughs> yeah we're, we're starving for something cool and uh, all of a sudden their dodge comes out with the same people with the k car come out with well we've coordinated with carol shelby and we're thinking of ultimately putting together the new cobra mm-hmm. called the viper yep and um there's obviously other people, engineers and things, and the team Viper who put that together, and they came out with this glorified go-kart with a V10 engine yep. in it to, to look just like the Cobra to a certain degree. I always so, thought it was it was like a modern version of a Cobra. Yeah, the modern version of a Cobra. So they called it an RT10, which is road, a road track, and the 10 was uh, uh, for the cylinders. So... Uh, a target top that didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. The very first Viper yep. had plastic windows on it like a Jeep. And if you did put the target... Side curtains. Side yeah. curtains, they called it. Yeah, so there was, were no roll-up windows. There was no air conditioning. Yeah. Uh, all of the Vipers are manuals. And no ABS. No ABS. No, no, for all, for all intents and No purposes, traction control. Nothing, no, yeah. yeah. No. Very basic brute force. Big fat tires yeah. and a V10. Yep. So, with a stick shift. So... Um, the challenge with the early Vipers was that they were, you know, they would cook you. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got engine and transmission right next to your feet, and there's no air conditioning. It would just, it would just burn you up. But uh, as well as when you got out of the car, they called it a snake bite because there were side pipes side on pipes, it, and you'd yeah. burn your leg on the side pipe. <laughs> so A man's car. <laughs> a man's car, yes, or a tattoo down their leg, woman's car. So e- either one of those. But the short story is when I saw it, I just thought that that was the greatest car. I was like, this is finally we're back as Americans yeah. to getting a really 
cool car. So uh, I would tell people that I'm going to have a Viper one day. And this was going back from 1992. So much so that my dentist, who only seen me every six months, when I walked into his chair, we'll call it, would ask me, so did you get the Viper yet? That's, a, that's his first question he would say. I'd say, well, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. So uh, fast forward. Uh, I started a business and uh, from scratch, uh, uh, a technology business called ARS Technology with uh, a business partner of mine who knew a lot about technology. I knew about opening the doors and doing the back office, and I needed someone who knew technology. And we had worked together before in the 90s. So the short story is uh, that started to grow. And as that started to grow, uh, my other, I'll call it, thing I used to do was collect baseball cards. Well, to start the business, I sold my baseball card collection and bought half of a Honda Civic. <laughs> and uh, that's all I could afford at the time with this great card collection. Uh, and that wasn't bad at the time to sell my card collection for half of a Honda Civic. And then I paid the rest of it off and I started the business with no no debt. And I had a house at the time. I cashed in my stock and short story is lived out of an apartment wow. and rented the house to start the business to, and make the money off of my house. Okay. So, um, fast forward to the cards. The cards started, as the business started to grow, I started to collect cards. Well, I started to determine, uh, uh, I had to pick a player. I had to pick either Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or Walter Payton. I ended up picking the right guy, Michael Jordan. And uh, I started to collect very rare Michael Jordan cards as this went up. Well, the very short story is... Um, the Jordan card started to outstrip gold at the time as far as some of the... This really is what time, like late 90s? Or? No, we're talking... Um, first of all, I started collecting right around when Michael was a wizard, which was a great time because his card values were probably at their lowest. Mm. You know, he, he came off all the bulls years and he wasn't the... Uh, he was obviously a legend, but not to the point it is now where people are realizing, holy crap, Michael Jordan was really yeah. Babe Ruth of our time. Yeah. So uh, they still kind of knew it, but but this was every year that goes by, people are recognizing it. And um, and as, as Jerry Reinsdorf, the chairman of the Chicago White Sox and the Bulls once said that Babe Ruth is the Michael Jordan of, of his time. So because nobody really runs up to a Nike store and tries to break the glass to get into the Babe Ruth underwear or Babe Ruth <laughs> shoes. So... So, and they still do that today for the Jordans. But back to back to the point. Well, uh, I got to a point where I had collected all of the high end Jordan cards, or, or almost all of them, and I was featured in a magazine called Beckett Magazine. And Beckett is basically, um, you know, the the uh, the Bible of of basketball cards. So they did a feature on Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame issue, and I was featured in there. And then I was featured in another episode of it. And um, so people had known I was kind of the guy of these cards. Well, the very short story is we had some people who were starting to make money who were millennials and in their businesses. And uh, out of the blue, I had uh, uh, I saw a, a card sell for uh, it was a 1997 Michael Jordan autographed card with a swatch of his uniform on it and it sold for about $6,000 at the time and I thought man that was crazy well now that card in about 2012 sold for I think it was 35 grand to tell you how you know when I first saw the card to where it's selling now so I had some of these rare cards and the short story is I contacted the guy who bought that card and I said we should make a Michael Jordan picture book together and uh 
he, he thought that was an interesting idea because I said there's three cards I'm missing. That's one of the cards. We can combine your collection with my collection, and we can do this book. And uh, the very short story is he, sa- is he says, well, I think I'd like to buy some of your cards. And the very short story is <laughs> one of my cards sold for a Viper yeah. straight up with only 7,000 miles on it, my blue Viper. So, um, And another guy started to compete for these cards that I had. So you traded for the Viper? Yeah, I traded. I gave him the card. Yeah. He wired me the money, and then I went and gone. Oh, okay. Went, went, so he didn't have the Viper. He didn't have the okay. Viper, yeah. But uh, so, so but you got the, the money for the Viper I got from the, the card. Money. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it started where he said, well, what do you want for the card? And I told him a, a much lower number. Yeah. And then uh, a guy that evening called me from another guy out of the blue, said, I'd like the card at a much higher price, which was the price of what I used wow. Viper would cost. Yeah. So I told the first guy, and he says, that's a lot of money. And I was thinking, well, you know, you, you tell me what you want to do. And yeah. About an hour later, he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give you the money for your your card. Now, let me give him a prop. I'm not mentioning uh, yeah, his name. Yeah, I think I know what's coming. But the prop is that Jordan card now yeah. is about $300,000. Wow. So, that'll buy a lot of Vipers. Yeah, that'll buy a whole <laughs> stack of Vipers. But am I disappointed? No, because I always You could have wanted, an ACR. You could have a... <laughs> yeah, I always... If you get a Ford GT yeah. or something, I always wanted a Dodge Viper. Sure. So that was the goal. You're living and the dream. You know? I'm living the dream. And uh, I saw a recent ad, actually, in a uh, magazine. Matter of fact, it's one of them that I gave you today. It says, most people buy what they need. Some people buy what they want. Few people buy what they dream. And for me, the Viper was a dream car. Yeah. So I got a 2006, which was now into the what they call the SRT models. And the SRT was street race technology, or as I like to call it, uh, a more durable engine. Um, it did have air conditioning in it. And That's a hard top. And it is a With coupe. real windows, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is a coupe. So uh, they've civilized it to a certain degree. They've put air conditioning on a go-kart and put windows on it. but uh, And to me, it was always a, a, a nice um, kind of uh, continuation of the uh, Cobra Fastback or whatever that one was called. Uh, yeah, the Daytona. Daytona, that's what I thought it was yeah. called. Yeah, so, I mean, it just it looks a lot like that. Yeah. I've always thought that's such a neat car. Right, so it's, it's, uh, it's a dream for me. And one of the other things, and I think it's important to mention this, is... I wanted to show my family that you work to get your dreams mm-hmm. because when you start a business at zero and you start to finally just grind and grind until it starts to, you know, sell. I mean, you're probably working 60, 70 hour weeks until you get enough sales for that to happen. And then you start to, to, to hit your dreams. So it's important. Um, for all of us, it doesn't matter what age you are, to kind of keep dreaming and, and keep focused on that dream. So it was 92 when I started, when I saw it, and it was 2012 when I wow. got it. So wow. it was a 20-year journey and yeah. and to go back to the dentist. So when I <laughs> when I did go to the dentist that time and he was ready for his question, which I knew was coming, you know, Lou, is the Viper here yet? I said, let's it's go out. out. I said, let's go out to the parking wow. lot. And he was like, no. That's like, yeah, awesome. Yeah, let's go out to the parking That's lot. Awesome. So uh, did you? Where did you find your car? Was it interesting on that note? So I knew I wanted a blue 
Viper with white stripes. Okay, so you specifically were looking I, for... I was looking yeah. for a blue, and I wanted the traditional colors of a Viper. I just thought that was the best combination. My car is not blue and white stripes. My car is blue and gray stripes. Yeah, which I think is even cooler. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So what happened was there were two of them by chance in the United States when I was looking online. Both of them happened to be in Illinois. Wow. One was a 96. <laughs> one was down the street. <laughs> one was in Burr Ridge, wow. which was about 35 minutes yeah. from that. Well, 45 minutes from the house. Yeah. And uh, that one was a 96. And then there was a 2006 that was in Roanoke, Illinois. I'd never heard of Roanoke, Illinois. It turns out it was two hours from my house, which isn't bad. And the short story is I asked my mechanic, I said, which one should I go for? He goes, oh, you definitely want the 2006. The, the newer and, one, yeah. And the older one, uh, one of the challenges is it's got what they call call a clamshell hood and that mm. hood is like 10 grand if it wears out yeah. i think it wears out so anyway so um, they never fit that great either i mean that's the one issue i have with the uh the corvette you know it's got the clamshell one giant piece with the fenders and yeah. everything and it's just the fit is just never perfect on it, it kind of looks and a little it vibrates a little bit yeah, yeah. it's just not so, the best so the the 2006 is the three-piece hood meaning yeah. two fenders and a hood, and a hood slam yeah. shut so um um, there was a big difference in price. One was forty grand. One was sixty grand yeah. at the time. That was, you know, I mean, today you have to. That's almost an average car. So, um, but yeah, no, I I uh, went down there. And when I went down there, I brought my mechanic with who was in his twenties at the time, because I figured he'd be all up on cars and things like that. And then as a um, I don't know if you want to call it a tribute as a thank you for him who owns a shop to come down yeah. with me to get the car. I, I gave him the keys to drive it back. Oh, okay. So he drove it back and I can tell you all the things that are wrong with it. <laughs> well, yeah, there was nothing wrong with it, which was good. Um, although there was an oxygen sensor. Yeah. I remember you telling us that. Yeah. That, that was that changed was, quickly. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I do remember one fun story when we're driving back, we're driving literally on a two lane road, one way, big grass gully and two lanes on the other side and i said to him i said uh, see that truck way up there because we were talking on cell phones which you're not supposed to be doing when you're driving manual but remember uh, this is 2012 yeah so. this is 2012 i don't think it was actually totally it wasn't illegal law. then no yeah it might have been legal then so because uh, we're always doing the law legal things other than this next story i'm going to tell you so i said see or, that truck out there I said, I said, why don't you see how fast you can catch that thing? So he took off, and I, you know, I saw him. What were you off. driving? I was driving uh, uh, my Explorer. Okay, probably. So, uh, or something like that. I think I was driving a two door. And you know what? I know exactly what I was driving. I was driving a two door, my two door Explorer Sport. Okay. Um, on the way back, so. Uh, um, but back to what you said about keeping a car too long. It had 345,000 miles before it finally the back leaf springs <laughs> fell off it. So. Um, but as I'm driving, I saw him take off, and I, you know, in the distance, I see the brake lights come on, and so I gave him a call. I said, "How fast were you going? Yeah. How fast do you think he was going? Uh, how far was he? It was it was down the road quite a bit. So Probably at one fifty. He was at one sixty five. Yeah. So yeah, he was. I was like, <laughs> he said one sixty five, and I was like, I'm sorry, you said what? Oh, yeah. You know. He's like, yeah, well, well, you got to make sure the car is. Yeah. Yeah. So. So he was like, it was like giving the uh, uh, having a jester, you know. Yeah. What I mean? I was, it's, taste this food. Tell me if it's okay. So I, <laughs> so I had him drive it at you know 
crazy speeds, and then I was okay driving. And you, you bought it with 7,000 on it? At 7,000 miles, they wow. repainted the underframe so it would look brand new. They put a new... Uh, there was a little wear on the seat. I think there was like a cigarette burn, so to speak, or like a hole. And they yeah. replaced that, and they basically made it a brand new car. Wow! For me. And how many yeah. miles do you have on it now? Uh, Twenty-four thousand. Wow! So not a lot of miles. A lot more than six hundred in the last year, then. Well, I mean, the first year I probably drove at six thousand miles, <laughs> okay. and double the miles the first year. But uh, I couldn't wait to show everybody. But um, what kind of gas mileage do you get with that? Um, it's it, it loves gas. Yeah, yeah. The it, Aston <laughs> does too. The Aston sucks gas so like crazy. Says, so you said, how's your car on gas? I said, great. It loves it. Yeah, about um, 10? No, 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 I think it's better than that. It's 12. like 14. I might even, yeah, probably 14. Okay. That's you not know, bad. It's got a six gear that's that's pretty high. Yeah. You know, you'll you'll be doing almost 1,000 RPM at 60. But Around town with the Aston Martin, it's at the V12, but it's still a six-speed manual as well. Um, I'll do probably 10 or 11 around town. But I, I hit on the highway once for an extended period of time. I was doing 18 and a half miles a that's gallon. That's not bad. Yeah. No, no, that was going 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And six gear. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's good. really good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, fourteen miles to the gallon yeah. with you know ninety three octane gas. Does your wife drive uh, riding in at all, or occasionally? Yeah, she's not a huge. Um, she she will get in it. I mean, she uh, she has her own car, so she likes being a little more stylish in that. Uh, which is a, a the MKC a, right? Well, that's her that's her daily driver. She's got a she's got her own little James Bond car. She's got a 2010 uh, Jaguar XKR. Okay. So so that's considered your your wife's car. Yeah, that's why I never see it. Well, no, I can take it out whenever I want to. I you know tell her I'm taking getting the oil change or something. <laughs> no, I like that car. It's an awesome car. I didn't know that was kind of more or less designated your wife's well pleasure vehicle. You're a single guy, so we should probably have a quick moment here. So when you if you marry this woman, you'll find out that when you get a car, see you have nine cars and she doesn't have a car. No, when you get married. No. My girlfriend has a Prius. Yeah, but that's not a car. Well, she so, loves it. Don't have. I hope she doesn't listen because <laughs> she will not like you saying that about her Prius. It's she not loves your, that it's car. It's not your '58 Impala sitting back mm-hmm. here. It's not your Mercedes or your, or your no, 911. No. So I'm glad she loves her car, but you know, a toy car. Yeah. Let's put it that okay. way. She doesn't have a toy car. But when if you get married, and I'm not saying you need to or should, which is probably why no, we're not. Along we're so not. So don't worry. So about when it. that happens or doesn't happen, then you'll find out that when you get a car, <laughs> almost always the wife ends up getting a car or a horse well, or a couch. She, she or has a actually talked about though living vicariously through my car collecting. She has entertained the fact that there's a couple of cars she likes. I don't know if it'd be that practical. She likes Nash Metropolitans. Which are awesome, but she doesn't like the idea that it's got this tiny little engine with a three-speed. She goes, if I could get a uh, a, retro, a resto mod Nash Metropolitan, that'd be cool. Because <laughs> literally at one car show, at the Orphan Car Show once about 10 years ago, it wasn't. Uh, it was a resto mod from the standpoint that somebody had put a Pinto engine with a Ford Automatic into a Nash Metropolitan, and that's the kind of car that she'd love because it'd be very easy to drive. You have a very wonderful girlfriend, and uh, I do. Thank you. Yeah. And um, the other car she likes is she likes um, 
Datsun 240 uh, Z. Yeah, the classic classic Z car. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now see, that's a toy car. Yeah. I mean, the other one is really a toy. You could the 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 National Metropolitan. You put it in your pocket. Oh, you could. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a. It's bigger than a Hot Wheel. Small. You know, something that'll fit in your in your that'd fit in my mailbox. Yeah. So, Um, but that's a great story. I just wanted to um, you know get the get the full story here. And now here's the rest of the story on Lou's Viper, and it's great too because you still own the car. You have no plans on. On, on getting rid of no, it or anything. It'll, it'll be yeah. my son's car when yeah. I'm long gone. Yeah. Do you think there's any point as you get older that it might be too too much of a hassle to get into and out of and shift and you'd want something a little more easy to drive or are you going to be one of these crusty guys at I'm crusty. 80 and yeah. getting in there and driving <laughs> around? And Well, let me define that. Cars <laughs> keep you young. You know, They I, do, yeah. Yeah, I... I um, when you have a YouTube channel, you're going to hear some grief. <laughs> so, you know, very, not very much, quite honestly. I mean, maybe one in 20 people has something not so nice to say to you. So you have to, you have to have the thick enough skin for that. Yeah. And, and I have the uh, personality that kind of enjoys when someone wants to uh, verbally test the waters uh-huh. with me. So, uh, yeah. So, no, I'm going to be one of those crusty old guys who gets out of the car. and oh, My yeah. back's killing me, but I love this car. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. You are listening to the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And when you're listening to us, please uh, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, unless you already have subscribed. When you do, you get an automatic uh, notification when there's new content, which is once a week. And also take a moment to rate us as well. We've got some nice uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts and certainly uh, enjoy getting a few more of your kind words and comments. We're available on Radio Misfits Podcast Network at radiomisfits.com. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So that means we're basically everywhere. All our podcasts are free, and it's totally easy to listen to us. You can listen to us on your laptop, your desktop, your tablet, your phone. And anytime you want to listen to us, that's up to you. You can uh, fast forward, rewind, replay, go back and listen to stuff that you've already listened to. You can do whatever you want because it's listening on your own terms. That's what the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is all about. And when you go to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, you'll find us, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. That's uh, what you're listening to right now. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. We're celebrating our 52nd show here. That means we've been uh, podcasting for the with the Car Guys Report for an entire year, and as we were joking around at the top of the program, Lou and I are still friends, so I think that means something. We haven't had any kind of hissy fit, a knockdown, drag-out fight or anything like that, and we're at the point in the program, even though this is our anniversary bull session, we also always want to make sure that we talk about Lou's YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. Maybe looking back on the year, Lou, I know it's been a year of growth for your YouTube channel. You can tell us a little bit about your growth in uh, videos and in subscribers um well thanks mark the um uh the channel uh started six and a half years ago very self-centeredly i was interested in uh, videoing cars really uh, i'd meet someone like yourself i'd be fascinated with the car and three weeks later i'd forget information that you told me (laughs) i mean you know lou it was a a deep bronze metallic honey blue and i'd be like i know it's blue yeah i forgot all that deep bronze metallic (laughs) you know honey stuff so i had thought that youtube was the avenue to create this visual library soul-centeredly for myself 
So much so that my son at the time, who was eight, uh, was looking over my shoulder, and I said, who are these stalkers? And he looks over my shoulder, and he goes, Dad, those are subscribers. <laughs> he goes, that's a good thing that they're following. Who are all these idiots that are leaving these weird comments? I, I said, why, why would they even watch my stuff? <laughs> and he's like, because they like the car. And I'm like, so... Um, what ended up happening is the first couple of videos, I call those my Burt Cookie videos in 2013. Fast. Like our early episodes of the Car Guys Report. Well, not, you know, I think we've always been pretty solid with, with what we've had, actually. I mean, I don't think there's been a many miscues. No, you're right, but and, it's and just... We've, we've known each other beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that so, helps. Yeah, and, and I have to, uh, just talking about the 52nd episode, uh, you know... Um, you have always had the talent for this show. I mean, you're you're meticulous, you're professional. Um, I'm none of those things. But the bonus was you have to see each other's skill sets, and that was your skill yeah. set. Well, thanks. And and on top of that, I knew that you know I I was you know knew that if there was anybody to do a podcast, it was a guy who's already in professional radio yeah. for as long as you've been, and then who loves cars. And, and vice versa, do. too. When I developed the idea for this podcast, yeah. you were the first and only person I thought of to be a to be a co-host. So yeah, and it I just was, worked out awesome, yeah, and you were I, all over it. And I was like, yeah. this is, you should exactly do this and, and do that. So um, back to the but my car story briefly. So I guess I just had the personality that was the right personality for the My Car Story. Mm -hmm. And I was always smart enough that even though it's called uh, YouTube, I was always smart enough to know it's really about them tube. Yeah. So if I did it in an area that I thought I'd be interested in the car and do cars that I thought I'd really be interested in and meet people who I thought were really interesting with their stories... After a while, after I got over the first couple of videos and started to think about it more professionally on how this could be a real ben benefit and a blessing to other people, sure. uh, it started to grow. So the first year, we had 1,000 subscribers, which was obviously 1,000% growth. And the next year, I had 3,000 subscribers, and um, that's 300% growth. Now, clearly, there's other people who have a lot more subscribers, and I want to stop right at this point as I talk about growth, that my son, anytime I start to think that I'm becoming a big shot, will show me some guy who picks garbage who has 160,000 yeah. subscribers. Yeah. So um, then I had 10,000 subscribers in the third year, so another 300% growth. And then it was uh, 24,500 and then 46,000. And last year, I think it was at 68,000. Yeah. So, the, so the growth percentage was from a business standpoint was tremendous and um from a youtube standpoint youtube uh if i was a financial person your goal would be to get a cpa uh besides your bachelor's degree so um the goal at youtube is to get to a hundred thousand subscribers so that's your first mark of a silver youtube person and they actually send you a plaque uh when that happens so i mean i guess the the bhag the big hairy audacious goal if uh you'd call it that from jim collins in the business world is to get to hundred thousand subscribers. You already so have that. Goal. You already have that shelf space cleared off and waiting <laughs> for that plaque. Yeah, it's right here, right, right, right here at the car guys report. We're going to put it on the table. And you have how many videos now online? There's, there's over fifteen hundred videos wow. on the channel, um, and the channel's matured. I mean, at first, uh, I didn't, I didn't edit, so it was all one take. And yeah. if I blew, which it, isn't bad. I mean, that's hard to do. A lot of, yeah. harder to do than you think to yeah. edit in the cam, so to speak. So yeah. So I mean, what would happen is if I blew it, we yeah. start from scratch yeah. and redo it now the bonus to that was it's a little bit like baking cookies if i burnt the first video so to speak then we knew the direction that we wanted to go in the second video uh the benefit came um 
Number one, I got to know YouTube better, but more importantly, my son uh, picked up some editing software. Uh, he wanted to start his own YouTube channel, seeing that Dad had some success. He figured he could add some success, and I didn't see that he'd be my editor, but he then <laughs> started to edit the videos, and that changed the game nicely sure. to compete with other people. And what I mean by that is um, my favorite videos are when I start with a drive of a, or start with a car driving by, mm-hmm. and then there's the review, which is like what you and I have done, and then there's a drive in yeah. the car. And then there's then there's the dr- car kind of driving away, yeah. and then what's called the end screen. So when I can get all four of those pieces in a video, the video usually looks pretty good and it gives a real clear picture on the car. The cool thing too that you're doing with your channel is the fact that it's you're leaving a, a historical legacy of these yeah. cars because so many of the cars that you do are just so rare. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I just always marvel at the way you're able to just sniff these things out and find them. It's just unbelievable. Well, one thanks. Well, um, I. Again, I'm going to use the term blessing. Sometimes I get very lucky to be in people's collections. And then it's not only that you're in their collections, but now you've got to pick kind of the supermodels of their cars. Yeah. And you're trying not to insult them by saying <laughs> that's not going to make the car. Yeah. At the same time, you're over doting on the one that you're like, oh, my gosh, that's super cool and super rare. So um, and then there's other stories that, you know, it's the guy who's had the, the 70 Nova from you know, bought it new. Yeah. I mean, so I don't, um, there's no, uh, race, creed, color, size, gender issues on the channel. I mean, because it's all the same thing. We're all passionate about the car. It doesn't matter if you're uh world war two ace or if you're, you know, 16 and it's your first car and it just happens to be something that's really super cool. Yeah. And most people don't have that cool a car for their first car. So, uh, I think that's the – somebody said I'm the uh, working man's Jay Leno, which means <laughs> that I'm out there on the street and whoever's, you know, just normal people, I kind of grab them. Or maybe, you know, normal business owners or whoever have some of these special cars. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, if you've put your life and heart and soul into the car, sometimes it's going to be eligible. Cool. That's awesome. Do you have uh, – I don't know if we were going to do the uh, guessing game in this episode. Do you have three more to go or – Yeah, we could do the guessing game. Okay, we'll, so, so. We'll, we'll do an anniversary edition My Car Story with Lou guessing game where Lou will uh, give me three cars that he has videoed in uh, starting with the oldest car first. And I uh, have to try to guess which car was the most popular as far as views go. And sometimes in the last uh, episode of the Car Guys Report, I kind of – blew it and sometimes i hit them all in the row so we'll see what happens and this i time. get the feeling you've <laughs> been playing this game enough with me that and that this will this one will work okay so now remember the rules to the game are this is on my channel which means you could video the same car and have completely different results either better or worse than mine but this is just on my car story with loose channel so here's the three cars and you can guess before mark guesses which one's going to be number one and i have no idea what lou's giving me this is completely blind on my uh, end of the the deal here. Lou just throws this stuff out, and I have no idea what he's going to tell me. So, okay, so our first one, our oldest one, is a 1958 Pontiac Bonneville convertible in white with a tri power engine okay. sound. And one of these was the clear winner, by the way. This That's a rare car too, because they didn't make a ton of 58 Pontiacs with the tri power. Yeah, or and convertibles. I yeah. think they only made like 300 of them or something like that, 400 maybe. But I know it's very low low volume. Which, which goes back to sometimes you see some really rare, unique things on the My Car Story channel. The next one's a 1969 Mercury, Mercury Cyclone Spoiler 2 in black with the 351 engine sound. 
And the hmm. third and last one is a 1970 AMC Rebel The Machine factory drag car with the 390 engine. Really? So we've What's got, a factory drag car? A factory drag car <laughs> is a car that was originally purchased uh, at the dealership. The dealership then uh, had somebody come in and say, I'd like to make this a drag car, commissioned the dealership to be on the, on the fender, and then contacted AMC to get a few extra bonus parts to it. Wow. So, and what color was that car? Uh, the Rebels were usually red, white, and blue. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. So the AMC machine yeah. Rebels. So, okay. So it's a 1958 Pontiac Bonneville convertible in white with the tri-power engine. A 1969 Mercury Cyclone Spoiler 2 in black with a 351 engine, and the 1970 AMC Rebel The Machine factory drag car with the 390 engine. Just for pure 70s cool, I've got to go with the Rebel, number one, the Pontiac, number two, and the Cyclone, number three. Well, the Pontiac <laughs> was the winner. Was the clear winner. The okay. clear winner. It had 9,370 views. The Mercury Cyclone came in third. Yeah, so you okay. were correct. So was, the third one was correct. And the second one was the Rebel, the Rebel really? with 5,354 wow. views. I mean, and the Mercury had 4,764. You never, ever see those. And being red, white, and blue, I mean, they're just so distinctive. They're cool. Well, the fact that it's, uh, it's an AMC Rebel is tough enough. Yeah. yet to get the factory probably drag. only factory drag car. <sighs> that is awesome. Yeah. And, and when that thing fired up, I mean, uh, there, are, there are cars that just... You can't help but smile. And they had a 390, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's a wonderful episode. And to your point, I mean, uh, from a rarity standpoint, clearly a super rare car. Uh, You're only going to see it here uh, unless you know that person personally and you see it in their hometown. But, um, you know, it's not like it's going to get a ton of miles. You might take it out to the drag strip once every five years or something (laughs) and uh, share it and show it unless it goes to a show. But um, that's, you know, I think this was the first video of this car, too. I mean, it's been photographed. Wow. You know, so just, you know. Just really, really neat, fun stuff on the channel. Cool. Great. That's what My Car Story with Lou is all about. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, head on over to YouTube. Type in My Car Story with Lou, and you'll see all those great uh, car videos that Lou has been working on for the last six and a half years. And if you like what you see there, you can uh, become a subscriber to My Car Story with Lou as well. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we head into our second year with more great car stories, car lists, cars for sale or sold and so much more to talk about and have fun with thanks uh, so much for helping us celebrate our 52nd show our one year anniversary here on the uh, radio misfits podcast network we couldn't have done it without you our loyal listeners and once again we really do give you our heartfelt thanks for making uh, this podcast what it has become we'd also like to big uh, give a big well thought out uh, and special thank you to our executive producer tony lasano he makes the magic happen with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. And also, a uh, big thank you to Ed Silha. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. And that would be radiomisfits.com. This Opie podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. No, no, no. You can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Kentucky woman solves breathing issue with face masks. The best place in the world to be stuck in quarantine. Hey, we got an order of body bags. Rick's brush with Willie Mays. Rick's interview with John Records Landecker without me. Yes, that's right. And we also have comedian Dwayne Kennedy, who is an Emmy winner and a hilarious man. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast and Opi Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive... We look back at the ultimate family truckster, the GMC Motorhome. Plus, if you've got bucks, we've got the most impressive way to display your cars. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.